are listening to Read Around the Rosé, the podcast full of prose. We are just two best friends who love murder mysteries and dystopian novels while drinking wine slash white claws, because that's just what we do. This is the book club podcast that you never knew you wanted. I'm, I'm Nicole. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't beat me to it. No. I also had a strong feeling that you were going to try that bullshit with me tonight. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the book we're reading, I'm going to tell you about the wine we're drinking tonight. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. All right. So this is another wine from my uh, Wink wine subscription. Um, it's called Cape Route. It's a 2020 uh P- pinotage i don't Nailed know <laughs> from western cape south africa oh okay it's a beautiful bottle too the design yeah. label is gorgeous and purple that's all that matters and i think this is a red wine so we are sort of t- i mean technically it's almost fall but in texas it's really no, not it's still summer 2.0 but we're gonna you know attempt to dip into our fall wine <laughs> tasting here tonight. more of nicole's fine Fall wine tasting. I'm still cool with Pinot Grigio and Rosé all year long. I absolutely am too, but this is all I got right now. So, (laughs) (laughs) STFU. All right, here we go. South African-born Ernst Storm returns home each year for harvest, practicing minimal intervention winemaking to produce clean, fruit-forward expressions of his grapes. From the shaly drylands of Swartland, this pinotage was soaked on skins for eight days to illuminate brilliant flavors of menthol, blackberry, and fig. Oh. This is a 14% ABV. <laughs> oh, fuck. All so, right. Goodbye. Oh. I haven't had dinner yet. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. See you later. Nice. <laughs> I like when it's a satisfying crack. Yeah. That is a beautiful color. I will say that. Can you see it? Yeah. That's gorgeous. Oh, so pretty. I hope it tastes as pretty as it all looks. I know. I mean, if it's like, you know, the grape skins, eight days, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. It's like magenta almost I'm digging the color ooh it smells good like I'm getting a good like waft of beautiful smell (laughs) get all the last drops out That's not fair. You can't lick the top of the bottle without us clinking first. Well, I just don't want it to drip everywhere, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to be a duddy clink today. Yeah, I forgot to get the glasses. The glass glasses. It's okay. Sorry. And we, we clink. clink. <laughs> so lame. <laughs> We're sorry. And drink. And drink. Mmm. <laughs> Oh, that's not bad. I'm not bad at that at all. It is, um, compared to the wines we normally drink, it's a super bold. It's very dry at the end. Yes, it's a super bold flavor. It's not sweet at all. Mm-mm. But I would say for a first red wine in a while, like, 
that's good. I'm digging it. It's not like it's not like a full cap salve where like my whole mouth is like dry. Yeah. It's like a good mix between a red blend and I feel like what would be a cap salve. Yeah. Like it has that good middle mix. And you know, we like our Pinot Grigio. Since this is called a Pinotage, I'm wondering if it comes from the same grape. Oh. Which is the red version instead of the white. I mean, I'm here for it. Me too. I kind of wish I had an ice cube or something. Yeah, but fuck it. <laughs> Deal with it? Deal with it. Okay. All right. So also, this is a... We're not really doing bonuses anymore, so we're not going to give you a whole bonus episode like we had done in the past. Um, but when this episode airs, it's going to be our two-year anniversary. Two years! Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. So we have to celebrate it at least a little. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't think we have any like huge main goals for this year or anything. And I know that the ones we talked about before haven't really come to fruition, but... I think we've just kind of settled into a... Um, as long as we love doing what we do, we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And for now, there's no real need to make this a huge, super popular thing. In the future, if it becomes what we choose to do, we'll do it. But for now, I think we're just settled into this. We're just still having fun. We just fun. really fucking like books. And we're still having fun doing it. And yeah. we, we might have three listeners, but hey, we have three solid followers. And y'all rock. <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> to deal with our all of our semantics about books and hearing about what we think. So we appreciate y'all. Exactly. Um, Two years strong. And then I just got you a little something, something. Yeah, nothing huge yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. You want yours first? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, it's in a dinosaur birthday bag. Yeah, I just found a gift bag in <gasps> my closet and was like, that'll work. Can I read? Can I read it? The my sticky note aloud. Yeah, you can read it. Megan, exclamation point! Happy two year anniversary! Oh, podiversary! My bad. <laughs> I got you a little token of appreciation for <laughs> sticking this out with me, and for you just being you. I love you, heart Nicole. And y'all, this is the cutest bag. It is a little. A little T-Rex with a little party hat. You should take a picture so you can post it later. Absolutely. It's heavy, though. Yes, it is. Okay. Does it matter what I pull out for it? No. And I didn't bother with tissue or anything. Ooh, French vanilla pumpkin mm-hmm. candle. Oh, this looks like the one in your kitchen. <laughs> I know that you love vanilla, and we're dipping our toes into fall, so. And I love pumpkin. And I love just pumpkin bought too. pumpkin candle like melties mm-hmm. from like my scentsy warmers in my house yeah i thought that that would be like a perfect fall megan this is like scent. orgasmic <laughs> this smells so good keep it away from reptark check <laughs> Ooh, socks they're aloe socks so they'll, they'll make your feet soft and they're cute some aloe socks are like not cute. Yeah. I smell good too. One little last thing that fell out of the socks. Oh, they're Halloween skull earrings. I bought myself some, not the not the same, but I I just thought I'll show you. Ah, I love them. They're so cute. I thought we could wear them when we hang out on Halloween. I got myself a little like spider web. Oh, like- they're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you so much. You're welcome. No, mine, however, has not come in yet. Womp womp. 
But I have pictures. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and start you with okay. picture number one. What is it? <laughs> what do you think it is? Is it? Hold on. That's the only picture. Oh. You have to guess. Oh, is this a shower curtain that changes? When Not a you... curtain. Uh, like a mat? Like a bathroom mat. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so when you step on it, it looks like blood. Yes, like bloody yes, footprint. yes, 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 nice. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> at first, when I, like, first glance at it, it almost looks twister-ish. It sure does, but, but I mean, I'm that like, works too. But I'm like, no, it's not twister. So when you get out of the shower, it's going to look like you have bloody footprints oh, everywhere. I love it. Thank okay. you. And picture number two. Yes! We both got each other earrings. <laughs> but mine are bloody knife earrings. Oh my god. I can't wait <laughs> to put these in my ears. And when they're, they're like not like tiny little like knives. They're like pretty they look, big. They're let pretty me, good size. Let me show you what they look like on the model. Which we always know the models are not accurate. <laughs> I'm so excited to get those. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull up my... Um, it matches when we were when we were talking about getting a matching scary movie crew tattoo. That's the tattoo I imagined. Like, look how big those are compared to this girl's face. Oh, dang. Those are pretty big. So you're going to have a lot of fun. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to we're going to have to do something. So we're going to have to do something. Exactly. Yeah. So I went with a whole type of blood theme. Love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> when they come in, you will get them um, as soon as I do. <laughs> Perfect. I'll find a cheesy uh, birthday bag to put them into. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, I don't think we have any like super updates for the podcast or anything to no. like really talk about. We just wanted to acknowledge. Two years. It's been two years yeah. and show our appreciation for each other. So tell everyone what we're reading. Oh, or yes. what we read and what, what we're about we to talk already about. Read. Okay. <laughs> so um I guess oh my gosh, it's been over a year now. We read The Girl Girl's Guide to Murder by Actually, Holly Jackson. I think our last okay, the last one oh, it came out on Sherry's birthday last year. Mm-hmm. She was part of the book. So one it was a us. little over a year. It was ago. like it was like a week after our anniversary. Yeah. But right around the same time uh, yeah. uh, time of year that we did the first book. How funny. Yeah. Well, Holly Jackson came out with a sequel called Good Girl, Bad Bad Blood. So that is the book we're on today. It was so good. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, But here's just a synopsis about the book. And if you have not read the first one, please go read it. Like Mm -hmm. this series is phenomenal thus far. I can't wait to see where it goes in the future because it's going somewhere. Yes. And... You know, we kind of talked about with the U series that maybe after the second one, they could have ended it. The third one, we hope they end it. This one, I feel like there's still more. To, there's They can go another place. Like our them. main character, Pip, is so young that this could be a series that could be, that can turn into like a Sookie Sackhouse. That's like, yes. like multitude of And books. this wasn't a complete um, rinse and repeat. No, it was a good, it was a good twist. Okay. 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 Anyways. So Pip is not a detective anymore. With the help of Robbie Singh, she released a true crime podcast about the murder case that solved together last year. 
The podcast has gone viral, yet Pip insists her investigation days are behind her. <laughs> but will she have a break that promises the... If I can read today. <laughs> but will she have to break that promise when someone she knows goes missing? Jamie Reynolds has disappeared. On the very same night, the town hosted a memorial on the sixth year anniversary of the deaths of Andy Bell and Sal Singh. The police won't do anything about it. And if they won't look for Jamie, then Pip will, uncovering more of her town's dark secrets along the way. And this time, everyone is listening. But will she find him before it's too late? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm glad you can join in there. So good. All right, so you get to start this questionnaire off. All right. Well, I'm so glad because I feel like this is a perfect, per- perfect first question. I can't talk today. I'm sorry. I don't think I have a perfect first question. I don't even know where my first question starts in this That's book. That's fine. So I got you. So happy that you get to start today. Okay. First off, did you expect this book to start six weeks after Pip solved her last murder? Absolutely not, especially because... Somewhere in my head, I really thought that that whole project of her solving that murder, like, obviously, when she started it out, she wasn't trying to solve the murder. Yeah. She was, it was a school project or whatever. But somewhere along the way, I was convinced she was a senior. So. No, she is. She is a senior. No, in the first book. Oh, well, she was. Very begin of, beginning of her senior year. Oh, so this is the same school year. This is the same school year. This is literally oh. like so close to after she finished. It's six weeks later in the school year. I guess I like after Christmas and all that kind of deal. The book took so long to come out that I was like, well, obviously she has to be out of high school. Okay, so I guess at the end of the last book, in my mind, she was going to be done with high school. Yeah, and that this was going to start up while she was in college and. I guess from there, it kind of um, went along with what I thought. Yeah. A new case was going to come along. She was going to solve it, blah, blah, blah. Just maybe being older, more mature, what have you. Yeah, I just thought, you know, it'd be a year later Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I guess the whole six months or six weeks thing, and she's actually still in high school, I was unexpected. Um, But other than that, the fact that a new case fell in her lap and all of that. Yeah. And now she's 100% kind of sure that this is her path she wants to follow. All of that, I think, was my expectation. Mm-hmm. It was just I thought she would already be in college. A little older. When this started, not a month and a half <laughs> later. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right. So. Okay, so I this is just a little tidbit of what I did appreciate because the book kind of just dove in at first. But then when they started talking about the um, podcast, there was, like, a male, like, voiceover. Yeah. And he gave a whole, like, recap of the podcast, which was the first book. Yeah. And I super appreciated that. No, I did, too, because I almost wanted to go back and listen to, like, the end of the first book. But I'm glad I didn't. But the fact that they put that in there and gave us basically all, every important detail you needed Mm -hmm, from the first book mm -hmm. right there helped me so much to go Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with it you It was now. easy to, like, recall what happened. Exactly. Maybe that's just I just great mean, job, Holly Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it was on purpose, but I'm so glad that she did that because that helped me not have to just pretend I remember. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's my actual first question. All right. What were your thoughts when we first learned about Connor's brother, Jamie, going missing? Did you think the cops should have immediately done something? Were Connor or were Connor and his mom overreacting? Can we get back to that? Because I actually have questions before that moment. Sure. Okay. Cool. You let me know when the. I just yet. don't want to get out of order. No, I completely have a million questions. Today. I completely understand because I'm normally the one like you, and I just mine are very all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We'll get there. I just have two more before then. Okay. Cool. Um, when we first heard about the Matt Hastings court case, what did you predict, Max? The- I always put Matt. I did this last time you too. <laughs> My whole notes were Matt Hastings. His name is Max. Well, okay. I got the N-A part of his name correct. Yes, please continue. I will reread. And I want to, like, talk about it with you, you know. Okay. When we first heard about the Max Hastings court case, what did you predict the verdict would end up being right from the beginning? So, honestly, it took a minute for me to remember why he was in court. Yeah. Um, But once I did remember, I thought for sure he would be found guilty because Pip has a whole recording of him confessing. Mm -hmm. So it kind of seemed like a no-brainer. Like I was a bit more skeptical. Skeptical? I can't (laughs) talk today. I told you. Um, I thought because they were... We were in the ride for it. Like, literally every moment of the case. Yeah. I had a feeling something was going to go bad. Okay. I just had that feeling right from the beginning. I mean, it does reflect reality. It does. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, but I guess I was, on this time, I was on the optimistic side of the yeah. thing. I guess I was more skeptical about, like, what was going to happen. Yeah. I just didn't believe that it was going to be too good to be true. Yeah. And so I had a lot of, like, just initial doubt about the case. No. Especially him walking into it and, like, wearing fake glasses Mm -hmm. and getting, like, such a fancy lawyer that was. Oh, yeah. They did have to, like, they really upped his image. And they they made him look like the, like, just your boy next door or whatever. And then they brought him like, oh, he had leukemia when he was younger. And they try to give him like Mm -hmm. a personality, a whole background, all of that. It's Mm -hmm. just right from the beginning, I thought something was really fishy about what was going on. Okay. That's fair. My next one is, um, wasn't the memorial just so special? Pip and Ravi are just so perfect. And I just wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I did like that. And, you know, I still fully appreciate that Pip and Kara are still, like, best friends. Heck yeah. Because that could that friendship could have easily collapsed mm-hmm. after her father, you know, tried to kill Pip and ended up in jail and mm-hmm. everything. And then learning what his part in everything was from that first book. Um, like, that friendship could have totally just been, like, over. And so the fact that not just Pip and Kara kept it up, but Robbie also holds no ill will toward her. I love their relationship so much. Yeah, I think it was, I I mean, it's obviously it's a sad thing that you have to have that sort of memorial, but it was um, refreshing to see all of the friendships hold together and there are no resentments held 
for someone else in your family's actions. And I did appreciate on the author's um, just writing mm-hmm. technique mm-hmm. that uh, we were reintroduced to past characters from the first book. Yeah. And the descriptions and the relationships between the characters were so clear that it helped, uh, helped me reestablish like how I knew them. Yes. And make those connections without having to go back and reread their first book. So I really appreciate that fact. And I think she had no choice but to do that, especially with sure. making this take place six weeks later. And I, yes, because absolutely. you had to have a continuation of all of those relationships. Like if you had made it take place a year or two later, you could have had a whole complete different set of friends. Yeah. And maybe you occasionally chatted with somebody from the past. But you wouldn't have to totally um, reestablish those connections in a book like that. But with it taking place just a month and a half later, it was really important for her to make us believe it's just six and a half. (laughs) And that was just a really great stylistic choice. Yeah. Because there are so many characters in this particular book that were in the first book Mm -hmm. that got reintroduced. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciated that aspect. And every time I was instantly reminded and remembered. Like I didn't it didn't take a lot of me having to like dig deep in mm-hmm. my memory bank <laughs> or anything. Like it was just easily recalled. Yes. Are you ready for mine? So it kind of goes with Connor, but mine goes a step further. So can I read it to you? Sure. Okay. Do you think it was fair for Connor to ask so much of Pip? Um, okay, so Connor is someone who I don't really remember from the first book. I don't either, honestly. Okay, because I know we just talked about a lot of how she did a really good job of recalling people from the past book. But maybe he was, like, a minor character that got, like, more light in this book. Could be. But I just wanted to... No, I don't, out, I don't remember him either. Put that out there. But we get to, like, Robbie, and we get to Sal, and we yeah. get to Andy. So and we maybe get to, he like, was a side friend that was mentioned once or twice, but maybe in the, even in the first book there was no real sure. um, storyline with him. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why he was able to be brought up this time, but then made a front yeah. character. So not not fully understanding their friendship. You know, throughout the book, they explain that obviously they've been friends and since like third grade, I think yeah, they said right. So you you realize that they've been lifelong friends, and it makes sense. But at the very beginning, I was like, she just went through all of this, and she just got out of the hospital, and this and that, and she's still in high school. She's not actually. A full grown adult. She's eighteen, but like yeah. barely. And this is her job, and and for you to put that much pressure on your friend was kind of a lot. I agree. I did have a second part to this question. So you remember in this book, she was like, "I don't want to get sucked in. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to make this my life." Yeah, because she she her dog got killed. Um, she, she put was, herself in a lot of danger. Mm-hmm. She ended up in the hospital. So she was like, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put my loved ones through that again. I don't want to go through that again. So I can see why she was like, okay, the thing I can do is go try to convince the cops to be more proactive. But then obviously when they But, see- but there's that the reality. Do you think she could, her as a person uh-huh. and this, char- this character, yeah. do you think 
she was going to be able to abide by that or is she going to get too invested again like the first one? Okay, so I think she meant it when she first said it. But once the cops, when she tried to make the cops be more proactive and they were like, no, I knew she was obviously going to have to dig into it. Because 72 hours comes up so quickly. And then once you start to dig into it a little bit, you're just going to go down the rabbit hole. So I kind of saw it coming. Like It was good intentions on her part to like try to maintain and establish, like, I'm not going to yeah. do this anymore. Like, I, I witnessed myself. She wanted I'm the recovering. boundary. She wanted the boundary, but it just didn't. Too close to home. Yeah. Yeah. It was, maybe if it were a complete stranger, she could have. But the fact that it was, it was such a, a close, close If friend, it was a complete stranger, she wouldn't have even taken the case. Probably. That's what, that's what I meant. Yeah. Like, she could yeah. have stuck with her, I'm done with this lifestyle. But the fact of it being such a close friend. Yeah. There was no probably getting over that. Okay, so I think I can finally <laughs> re-ask my question. Okay. Um, okay, so what were your thoughts when we first learned about Connor's brother, Jamie, going missing? Did you think the cops should have immediately done something, or were Connor and his mom overreacting? Because rem- remember, he's 24. Yeah, initially, I thought it was a little strange, like, eh. Yeah. You're just... Um, because most 24 year olds like kind of do their own thing so I thought like "Mm, maybe they you know maybe they're overreacting and then we even heard that like at times Jamie would disappear for like three days at a time and not contact anyone but you're 24 so it made sense and especially for me I was 19 when I moved out so a 24 year old still living at home to me baffles my mind because I was the same I was 19 when I started Technically, I was 18 because I was living in a dorm. Right. And, like, an hour and a half away from my family. But really, like, 19 is when I started spreading my wings to, like, be completely independent. So, to me, at 24, still living at home and, like, depending on your family and all that shit is a very foreign concept to me. But I understand it does happen. So, I tried to... um, I tried to not put my own personal feelings towards that too much. But also, I was like, if I were 24 and living at home, hell yeah, I'd be doing whatever I wanted. I was doing that at 18 and 19 <laughs> when I was still living at home. <laughs> like, it was just like, are you sure? Like, he's not okay. Like, he's not at a friend's house binging right. for a little bit. Exactly. And but it's different this time. But what's different between this time and last time? Yeah. Last time his phone died and you didn't hear from him for like a couple of days at a time. So... I just, oh. I just don't understand. Oh, wait, I had a follow-up question that yeah? I, just, I just glanced at. Uh, is it weird for a 24-year-old to still live at home and he'd have to sneak out? I had that same <laughs> one. Well, this is my question. Next, well, not next, but next, next. Okay. At 24, is that really sneaking out anymore? Exactly. Like, if you're 24 living at home, you just get to do whatever the fuck you want. I would think so, but maybe it's because he had a younger brother still in high school and his parents didn't trust him. No. I mean, I don't know. No. If I'm 24 living at home, which I never was. Never would be. But even when I was, like I said, even when I was 18, I never had to sneak out. I just told my dad what I was doing. I got to the point. So, like, you know how um, I have my belly button double pierced? Uh-huh. I got my first one when I was 17. Like my parents signed the papers and were like, okay. Okay. Like, because you got good grades, your whole whatever year, you get, you I get got, to pick a present that you want. I got mine pierced at 18 with Shannon with no parental. Well, my next one, I got the bottom one pierced. Okay. And I got that right when I turned 18. 
So one day I was sitting with my mom. It was like Christmas time. I was mm-hmm. like raising my arms up. She goes, oh, what is that? My dad oh, goes, yeah. she's 18. Yeah. She can do what she wants. Yeah. And like he had no choice but to support like my decision for my next piercing. Mm-hmm. And my mom like scolded him. He was like, what do you want me to say? Exactly. She's 18. I can't, we can't stop her anymore. Yeah. Like. I'm living at home and I'm 18 and I was, I had a job. I had my own car. I was paying for my insurance. I was paying for gas. Like I, my dad would get mad at me if I stayed out too late or did this or that, but he really had no ground to be mad at me. So I didn't ever sneak out ever, even at 18. So at 24, if I'm living at home, it's even a more of a non-issue. Yeah. So to me, that was like the weirdest. It's like weirdest. you're almost roommates with your parents at that point anyways. That was the weirdest thing that you have to sneak, feel like you have to sneak out at 24. So um, after we found out that Jamie is sneaking out of the house. Okay. um, We kind of get a glimpse from like talking to Connor and his mom. And Connor was like telling like the real deets. Mm-hmm. When he found out. Oh, we we found out that Jamie and his dad fought right before the memorial. Did you now suspect his dad of foul play because of that argument? <clears throat> After we learn about Jamie's argument with his dad, did you think he could have just run off? Or could he have possibly <laughs> harmed himself? Could his dad have something to do with his disappearance? <laughs> Nice. Love it. All right, you first. (laughs) All right. So I think my first, I think my first thought was, okay, in the first book, oh, dad ended up being the killer. (laughs) So I, I mean, I had to put the question out there. Absolutely. I mean, but it also would have been too easy. Exactly. Way too easy and already did it the first time. I mean, so, but it also could have thrown us for a loop because it happened. I mean, okay. Anyways, regardless. True, but I just decided not to go <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that far. So, I, I mean, I still had to ask the question. Yeah. Because, like you said, maybe. But I honestly was going more down the road that he might have just become so depressed and distraught that he was off harming himself. Mm. So... Maybe indirectly his dad had a had a thing to to do with it, but not directly. Okay. Was my initial idea. What about you? I got a little suspicious. I mean, I don't think his dad did it. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those, like, why won't he be invest like invested in it? Yeah. Why won't he talk? Like, what does he have to hide? Okay. So I thought there was just more to the story that we weren't given. Right. And so that was just like not like a big red flag. That was just like a Hmm. I think for me, it was way too easy. And especially oh, after sure. a father being the one in the first book, I was like, she's not going to do that again. At I least- just wanted more details. And later we got them. Yes. At least I really hoped she wasn't going to do that again. Yeah. Um. Let me try. Okay. What do you think about... Now, I think this is a part where I wasn't really listening closely, so I had to come back and put it sort of an edit but okay. um this is my initial question before i realized i was wrong what do you think about jamie not showing up to his friend nat's house and how she didn't really seem to concerned 
And at first I was like, well, it doesn't seem like a very good friend. Like if you didn't show up to my house when you said you would, I would be blowing up your phone and then Jorge's if you weren't <laughs> answering. And then in parentheses a little bit later, I go, okay, she did call Jamie, but still, I think she didn't try hard enough. So what is your take on that whole thing? It has something to do with her relationship with her boyfriend, Luke. Okay. Um, it must not be a good relationship mm-hmm. if she's having to, I don't know, I felt like she was trying to keep the relationship on the down low. Hers and Jamie's? Jamie's. Even though they were just friends, they were never but together. Like they, in the, in all of the texting and calling, like... <laughs> I just thought that there was a little bit more there that maybe, like, Nat wasn't willing to share. I guess we we knew Jamie felt more. Yeah. I wasn't sold on the fact that Nat felt that way. So, to me, it was still just, like, a best friend relationship. Sure. And, okay, let's just say you weren't with Jorge. Like, it was just me and you best friends and Jorge doesn't exist. You know, I still know your sister. I know your mom. I know other people in your life sure and if we have a regular standing thing we're like or you text me hey i'm i'm coming over and you don't show up and then i call and text you and you're not responding to me i'm not just gonna go oh well fuck megan i guess she's being a bitch and just blowing me off i'm gonna then call alicia hey have you heard from megan she was supposed to be at my house but she hasn't shown up and she says no like you can call your mom. Hey, have you heard something from Megan? Like, I would, like, sound the bells yeah, so quickly. <laughs> I think because of the relationship, going back to her and her boyfriend, okay. those red flags weren't as easy to pop up just because of, like, maybe her enthrallment with him and just being with him. It, even, it didn't seem like she was even too concerned about Jamie. Like, oh, yeah, he didn't show up. That's what I thought. But like, she it did was just, say that she blew up his phone and she texted him a lot. But I'm like, but I don't know. But I just you, felt everyone's like, definition of blowing up their phones and texting a lot is completely different. That is. I, I get, just feel like maybe she was was hiding some some something mm-hmm. from her boyfriend and she didn't want to reveal. Like, I can't like, show too truth. much concern for yeah. this other guy. Yeah. Okay. But deep down, I do think she was freaking out. Yeah. But, like, outwardly, in that first encounter we had with her and mm-hmm. Pip and in the house, like, yeah, I'm her best friend. Yeah. I don't think we got the true glimpse of the story. I think there were a lot of details covered up and hidden. Mm-hmm. And then, like, later we obviously are given more and more and more and more. But initially, like, I thought she was trying to hide something for her boyfriend. Okay. All right. My next one's just a comment, and then I'll get to my question. Okay. Matt Hastings at the memorial, the audacity. Did you call him Matt again? Yep. <laughs> All of my mo- notes say Matt. So Max Hastings <laughs> at the memorial, the audacity. Yeah, fuck that guy. All right, now my next question. <laughs> no, you already, I, we already talked about it. It was not her boyfriend. Okay. Let's discuss Jamie's robberies. All right. Um, I guess in discussing it, I'm just going to kind of mention my next question. Yeah. Go for it. It's all about Jamie. Go for it. So I think it will, my question is going to kind of answer your question Mm -hmm. a little bit. Like, 
All right, what kind of mess did Jamie get himself into? What life or death situation needs him to steal money? Was uh and a watch? Was he in debt to the wrong people? Gambling, drugs? That, like that was kind of my No, definitely. I thought it was um any of the above that you just said. Yeah. Like and we, will... we come to know it's only only $900. Yeah. And I was like, what kind of life and death situation requires $900? <laughs> Reflecting on our own lives. $900. $900. I mean, it's still a lot of money, not going to lie. Yeah, it's not like it's a small amount of money, but I don't think it's a life or death no amount life or of money. Death. Unless you owe it to a bookie. Or someone. Mm, someone that's going to come gangster your ass because you didn't Be- give them their $900. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I think is why I went to the drugs or the gambling. Like, like what like, messed up shit is he involved in? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's got to be some some greater issue. Mm-hmm. Not just like, I loaned you $900 and you can't pay me back within a month and I'm going to be like, Oh, I'm gonna kill you if you don't. I'm gonna it. come. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna come waterboard you, bitch. Like, like no. Like if it was a true, like legitimate yeah. loan or whatever, like that's not gonna be a life or death thing. But maybe to someone that's 24, not self sufficient. And if you have to 900 go, is. And he did have to go to basically a bookie, a drug dealer. I mean, if I'm reflecting on my own life, you know. Yeah. When I was, you know, not t- more like tw- 19, 20, 22, mm-hmm. 900 was a significant amount of money. Like, I was in the middle oh, of my bachelor's that degree. That was a ton of money. Um, I was, like, in already, like, amounts of, like, college debt. Like, yes. not an easy thing to just have. So, maybe I kind of get also, it. I don't know why I would owe $900 at that age. Very specifically 900 yeah, like, obviously I had my rent and my normal bills, but, you know, my job was paying for that. I can't think of a thing where randomly I would tell you $900. Like, that's so specific and abrupt. And if you don't have the means to do it, I'm, I would be like, oh, well, I can't afford $900, so I can't do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go try to borrow it from... But so it had to be, like, Somewhere. he was involved with something sketchy for yes. him to have to go exactly. steal um, a cheap watch. Exactly. Or to go, like, or ask get, a drug dealer to loan. pay for it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it had to be something, but I couldn't figure out what unless he had a gambling problem or a drug problem or something, something like that. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, all right. All right. I was just like, was Jamie a victim of catfishing? Who, yep. Who would catfish him? Nat's boyfriend. Maybe he didn't like him hanging around Nat all the time, so tried to get him out of the way. Yeah. Like, so, what, were, what were your kind of thoughts on... Well, my, my question was, Layla Mead, any guess of a who, guesses of who she is? So it kind of goes along with the yeah. catfishing and all of that. Uh-huh. I honestly didn't know. I had no idea. I thought it was very peculiar that this particular catfish character Layla mm-hmm. was trying to get after 
specifically 29 maybe 30 year old yeah. boys it was that a very, were white with brown hair it was a very specific thing that it I was i couldn't quite figure out who and Nor why or what <laughs> so i didn't quite understand what the bag of this fictional when they character when was. they figured out that layla was a catfish and pip initially messaged her from um connor's secret account like hi, how Pip. how did my next question how would layla quote-unquote layla know it was pip messaging her how did how did layla know that that fake photography or it wasn't even fake photography account but a very private photography account from connor how do they know it's connor's and how do they know that pip signed into it and was i mean the only logical answer is someone close to pip and obviously the only real answer is someone that was close to pip so in the moment i didn't think that though i couldn't figure out who would automatically know but once again you know what I didn't fucking realize in this book, which what? I should have. What? When you get introduced to brand new characters mm-hmm. in a book, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's always something fishy with those new characters, which we dealt with so many times. I've taught we you were, all about that. I know. When we read, <laughs> like, um, Butterfly Garden, all of those books, whenever you're introduced to a brand new character, they're always the character it is, like... To least trust. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in this moment... I definitely, like, didn't think that because of the characters. Yeah. And because of what they did. Yeah. But anyways, um, this is just, this is legit a comment I, I wrote down. Okay. I made a point to write down that Stanley bumped into Pip and Robbie at the cemetery. What do you think he was up to? I honestly completely forgot about that that, that, that happened or I missed it. Um... Until the end where he mentioned mm. that he was there at the same time. So I I don't have like a legitimate mm-hmm. reaction to the moment because I don't remember it happening, I just happening it was, when it happened. <laughs> I thought it was so weird. I was like, why is he at the cemetery? Yeah. And so like that was something that I wrote down. I was like, that's yeah. strange. Interesting. Um. So I have a question back to Jamie and new characters. I was like, so weird. Why would Jamie break into the Green's home and take Flora's watch? Any ideas? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Now I knew. (laughs) Did you have any ideas at the moment? No, I really didn't. I just thought it was like a random. Weird thing. Yeah, random. Like, you obviously knew something was happening with Jamie. Like, I was like, is he having a mental break? Is there like... I didn't know what was going on, honestly. Oh, I think at that point, they had brought up his search engine about the brain tumors. Mm. And I almost thought maybe he had one and he hadn't told anybody. Yeah, that was that was a theory, sure, yeah. And I thought, like, maybe he literally, maybe this brain tumor is just literally causing him to break and he's doing things so crazy out, out of character. <laughs> like, that was a, a fleeting thought. Um, Pip resulted to blackmailing her new history teacher. Is she taking things too far? Um, in her words, it wasn't blackmail; it was persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> so no, got it. How dare you can blame her of 
accuse her of blackmail. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> I think she was being resourceful. Well. <laughs> all right. What did you think about all of the data they were able to find from Jamie's fit? Have you ever thought how yours could be used to track your every move? Well, I do wear a Fitbit every day of my life. I know. So I felt hard for this, like, particular, <laughs> you know, scene. You and know it, it's all it, accurate, right? It's very accurate. Um, I When I was listening, I was like, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Why is it off? Because my Fitbit, like, honestly, like... It, the battery lasts for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I still, like, I have my original Fitbit. Right. And I charged it once just to see what would happen. Like, it was like a Fitbit 2, like one of those, like, basic Fitbits. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm not going to wear it. I'm just going to see how long the charge lasts. Okay. When you don't wear it, it lasts for months. Forever. Like, literally. Like, my, my app kept saying, your Fitbit's at, like, at this percent. It's at the percent. Oh, it's about to die. And then weeks later, I was like, okay, it's dead. Okay. But it was, like, its life was so long because I wasn't wearing it. I was just idle. Okay. So it was a made sense that, like, if it's off, something happened. Right. Because I wear one every day. Like, either you're yeah. hurt or your Fitbit is hurt. <laughs> Which I was kind of thinking in my mind, like, the Fitbit's hurt. Yeah. Because it would still track data. Like even until if it, until it dies. Yeah, if if you're still wearing it. Yeah. But like if say if it's on me and it senses mo like if I'm dead, right? Uh-huh. And I'm being dragged somewhere and it senses movement. It would still track it. would it. still track it because my arm is moving. Yeah. So until the Fitbit is actually dead. So I thought yeah, I thought that the Fitbit was actually crushed, it was dead, something of that sort, because it's always going to be tracking in some small way. All right. So how do you feel about the fact that Or it thinks you're sleeping. How do you feel about the fact that you actually do wear that all the time? Like, does it bother you that you have all of that information documented about you? Does it make you feel safer somehow? Like, if you do safer, go missing? Yes. Safer, absolutely. Um, I do like to absolutely count my 10,000 steps a day. Right. I know you use it for your actual, like, fitness things, I use but it like- for, like, period predictions. I also use it for, um, there's even settings on it to, mm-hmm. like, take a mental health break. Huh? And it makes you, like, breathe in certain patterns to help you calm down. Okay. Um, I like it for just the, sim- like, the different just qualities of it. I guess I was, I enjoy it. I was more specifically, like, sometimes that I I I get everything you said. Mm-hmm. I like those ideas, too. But And I know that our phones track our every movement, too. Yeah, they sure do. But sometimes I don't have my phone on me all the time. Mm-hmm. But... And I have a I have my own smartwatch, but I don't wear it all the time either. I only specifically wear it when I am trying to track how much exercise I'm doing or whatever. Like if I go for a bike ride, I make sure I have it and I track I'm tracking it. But mine is kind of heavy and whatever, so I don't like to wear it like constantly. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, just for a privacy aspect, like, does it bother you that every little movement is being tracked, or does it make you kind of feel secure? It doesn't bother me. Secure, I guess, would be the best word for it. Okay. I mean, not the best word, but if I had to choose, that would right. be like, I, I guess what it just, is. Yeah. Like, so if you did end up missing, like, Jorge would know how to sign into your Fitbit. Yeah. And could at least track to your last movement yeah. of the Fitbit. And I thought that was a really smart move on their mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just to recognize that after they put, like, what was it? Big Mama, Mo Mama. Joe Mama. Joe Mama 66. Like, what her happened? name is Joanna, but she was his mama. Joe Mama, and she was born and, in 66. And, she, and he wanted her to still have her individual name, so she called he called her Joe Mama instead of Mama or Joanna. <laughs> yeah. But I just thought it was, like, just convenient that they could log into it and... But that did take them, like, weeks. Well, no, I guess the whole story didn't even take place over weeks. It took, it took days, days. But hours. also hundreds and hundreds of password attempts. So yeah. it seemed realistic at the time. So my next one for you. As the investigation went on, Pip's friends slash online followers started calling her a liar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that they said that her and Connor made everything up. As a bystander, would it really seem that way? No. I think, um, I don't think I would ever accuse the brother and mother of a missing person to be making all of this up just for some fucking publicity. Yeah. And the emotion in their voice when they're recorded and everything, like. Heartbreaking. It's for real. This is not some Joe Schmoes trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. Like, they are legitimately worried that their brother and son are missing. Mm-hmm. And for for some random third-party internet people, mm-hmm. absolutely, there's trolls and uh, devil's advocates and people who just want to stir up what if, you know? But the fact when their friends, um, Lauren and Anthony, Andy, Andy, um, believed that they all were in on this together, including Jamie, and that they were just doing this for a, a second season of a podcast, I would have dropped those friends so fucking fast. So fucked up. Like, if you were to just ask me hey is this a publicity thing and it was just a fleeting hey i heard this hey if it is happening just tell me yeah and i was like i either said told you yes or no then fine that you just asked the question like i wouldn't be mad at you for just asking a question but the fact that it was asked and answered like absolutely not we're not making this shit up and they kept believing that it was i would never be friends with those people ever again Mm mm-hmm me either. Those are not real friends. Nope. Fake friends. Even the part where I think Anthony or Andy or whatever, he was supposed to be Connor's best friend. He was. And I think Pip asked the question, like, hey, you ha- ever since Con- uh, Jamie's been missing, you haven't been around. Like, what the fuck is up with that, basically? And his response was, well, I think it sucks, but there's nothing I can do to change it. Um, except for help and the search parties and what have you to like, you could have been figure in a out ser- like what's going on, or you could literally just be with your friend. Your friend, just be with your friend. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just be there. You don't even have to actually do anything. You might not change the outcome. All you literally have to do is be there with your best friend. Yep. I would say I really hope after this that those people are not friends anymore because absolutely they're shitty people. Yep. All right. Um, all right. Do you think Pip was as reckless in this book 
as she was in the first one. Well, let's go to my next question, specifically about her being reckless. (laughs) And I quote (laughs) to Max Hastings' door, Rapist, I will get you. My next question was, how do you feel about vandalizing Max's house? And how did she not get caught? There are ring doorbells in the world. Everywhere. Everywhere. Even her neighbor Charlie had them. And so, like, it how made no sense. How did they have no suspects? Unless all the neighbors were in agreement that Max was the rapist. Mm. And they all decided to pretend they had no footage. But to taking it too far... I could see myself doing that. Same. Unfortunately. Same. I mean, not unfortunately. Like, I, it would pain me, like, to commit those acts because I have such a conscience and I have such um. It wouldn't pain you in the moment. If you were that angry to actually do it. Yeah. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't be pained. I would be would pained not. of the consequences that could happen to me. Yes. So either all those neighbors just happen to not have ring doorbells. Uh-huh. Or. Or cameras. Well, that's what I mean. They're the same. All of the same. Or they all did have footage and decided. To not use it. That they were going to delete it and pretend they didn't see anything because they did not believe he was innocent. Yeah. So. And moving on. Yeah. My turn or yours? I can go. What did you think of Luke? Hold on. I'm trying to find my notes. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm just making sure I'm on the right page for when it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Luke, which is Nat's boyfriend? Okay. Thinking that Jamie was Layla Mead. Did you believe it as well? No. Um,. I was like, that's way too convenient. Right? There had to be... So, at first, I did not pick up on uh, the fact that Jamie was acting in Layla's behalf. So, for a minute, I thought that Layla purposely had them meet there together. Which, I guess, actually, she did. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think that they... I thought they were both in in the dark about it. Now you realize that Jamie had said he would do anything for Layla. And that was her task that she sent him on was to meet up with Luke and see if he was, what's his face? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not believe that Jamie was actually Layla. I, I thought that maybe Jamie, I hadn't quite put together at that moment that he was working for Layla. I thought some. I thought uh, I can't talk because I'm getting drunk. Okay. But I thought there was like he was trying to please someone. So my thought was that I thought Layla tricked both of them, mm. and was like, <laughs> "Meet me here," yeah, and sent both men mm. to meet her. Yeah, but they met each other instead. So I didn't really believe either one of them was Layla. I thought they both got duped. Well, that was my thought. Yep. All right. Um, okay, here's kind of where my questions just kind of go all over the place, I think. Um, 
What did you think about all the twists and turns that took place in this book? In what specific aspect? All right, so for one, the fact of we find out who Layla is. Yeah. We find out. Okay. So what's, instead of going there. Okay. Because I'm like, there's lots of them. Child Brunswick, let's discuss him. Okay. I feel like that's where all the twists and turns come That's to. where it starts. Yeah. So can I give some background? Yeah. Cool. Um, Child's Brunswick, as we find out in this story, um, he is a child of a dad who is a serial killer mm-hmm. that is lure has his son Laurel Laurel Lure Lure L U R E. Thank you. <laughs> Kids from like parks and very Malls, open public places. Whatever, yeah. And gets them to follow him, and him and his dad take that child. Yes. Therefore, the the dad commits heinous acts, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Charles Brunswick has to help and help cover it up. And he's only literally like ten child years old. Brunswick. Child Brunswick. Child. Child. He, he's yeah. a baby. He's ten. Ten year olds don't know what they're doing. And if your dad is that sadistic and serial killer ish. Um, you're doing whatever the fuck he tells you to do. Because you're going to be next because you watch other little kids your age mm-hmm. and you help with it. If you don't say what your dad does, he'll kill you and he'll find someone else who will tell do what he says. So this poor child was under immense psychological trauma and physical, psychological, every, every manipulation, everything under the umbrella. And he's your only parent. You know no different. No. At this point. Like But you're just told like if you don't do this, like you're pretty much the next victim. You're supposed to do what your dad tells you. You right? are, but you're also scared of your dad. No, I get that. Yeah, but I'm yeah, just yeah. saying like, yeah. like I would think Terrifying. If you have no other example in your life, you might also not even realize yeah. how wrong it is at that young of an age. You so, might have an inkling, like, hey, we shouldn't be hurting these people. But you are only doing what your dad's telling you to do. Like, he had no chance. Yeah. So what we find out is his dad um, dies by dies by getting pretty much beat up in prison. Yeah, I think he got murdered. He got, like, in jumped prison. in prison. And so Child Brunswick is um, a solo minor. Mm-hmm. He is um, pretty much, like, in juvie till he's 18. Yeah. What have you. He's doing certain skills in juvie. And- therapy and all that yeah and then um as he ages out of the juvenile correction system when he's 18 he's in witness protection because of all of the families that his dad and because he's a minor his name was never released in any court document yeah so he's kind of like hidden in a way that's why he was called child brunswick Mm -hmm. because they didn't want his name out there because they knew when he got released there would be people searching for him to try to um, enact Get revenge. revenge yeah. yeah. Revenge yeah. is the best word for that. Yeah. And so um, all we know and why Layla Mead is looking for him is he would be about 29 to 30. Mm-hmm. He would be a um, Caucasian male. With dark brown hair. Dark brown hair. Brownish hair. And so all of, like, the history teacher. Yep. Um, Jamie. 
We even find out, like, the detective from the first book. Yeah. All fit that description. And all of Layla's questions to these people on Tinder or wherever she's talking to him. Instagram, what have you. Social media. How old are you? And yeah. they said 29. Her next question was, is your 30th birthday coming up? How do you plan to celebrate? And anyone who was unwilling to answer questions about their childhood instantly became like, on the suspect yeah. list. And like, okay, we I need to meet up with you. So it's really interesting. So what we know is that the person, like Layla Mead, mm-hmm. is looking for Childs Brunswick to pretty much get back at them for something, but we don't know the specific Yeah, reasons. you don't know. You're like, okay, they were obviously affected by yeah. the father's crimes, but you can't quite figure out in this little town who the connection would be yeah. and why yeah. they're so interested and why do they know Pip and... All of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it takes a minute. Sure does. And I think it's kind of leaving into, um, I mean, I'll say it. Go for it. The Stanley investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just look at each other we're like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as we find out and through Pip's investigation that Stanley Forbes. Oh, he's one of the, he's one of the suspects. Uh, that could be child Brunswick. Sure is. And we remember Stanley from book one. He and Pip did not get along. He is the town. He was super. He works in the paper for the town. Yes. He's like a journalist or whatever. But in the first book, if you remember, he was very sexist. He was a very belittling. He did apologize to her multiple I, times. I understand he apologized. Yes, yes, yes. But in book one, he was, they were enemies. Book two, well. I have some questions about that a little bit later, but I don't know. I think a lot of this, I I, I, I understand the big picture, but I think this is the part where I kind of. It was kind of forced towards the end, right? But also I kind of zoned out just because of my own okay. mental yes. so things going on. What? So the- I heard I heard bits and pieces pieces here and there and i get the big picture but as far as being able to like fully discuss it i need you to help so stanley forbes is child brunswick we do find that out yeah um he became best friends with a character from book one i can't remember his name and revealed his secret it was like um sure it's in my notes oh i want to call him harry or something something like that (laughs) And that, that character went to prison or a yes. mental institute of some kind and um, started revealing to blogs that Stanley, um, he knew who Charles Brunswick was. And because of the blogs that were posted online, that's kind of a rabbit hole of Reddit. That's why. That of how they knew Stanley, our Charles Brunswick, was in was Fairview. In, yes, in Fairview. Okay. And so. Um, so it helped. Pip had Layla. actual like physical pictures, yes, of this person um, meeting with Charles Brunswick, aka Stanley, and she put it all together because of just her own beautiful knowledge from book one. From book one, it was which was different. a great tie-in. I do remember all of that, and she's like, "I see this guy in the tan coat and the hair," and she's like, "Oh my god, it's Stanley!" Yes, <laughs> so a really great tie-in to book one. I feel yes, it was a really good book uh, or tie-in to the books. Um, 
and I had no, it it actually gave a lot of insight into why Stanley was the way he was. Um, he didn't um, react when people called his name because for eight years he's been Stanley Forbes, but his whole life he's been multiple, like kind of characters, I guess. Yeah. So I think, I think he said his first name. It was like Jack Brunswick. And then he was like, I don't know, Josh Smith. I don't remember. <laughs> blah, 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then Stanley Forbes. And I remember Pip asking him, which name do you, did you like the best? And he said, Stanley, he was going somewhere. He was making something of himself. Yeah. He was trying to do better. Um, I really started to feel for Stanley towards the end. Do you know what I did too? And I actually had a question. It's my last. It's my last question, but I have a few other if we want to like, or if you um, have anything. So my next one is all capital letters. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Charlie and Flora discuss. So once they revealed that Charlie was Layla, it made so much sense. And the background of that is this is yeah, his twin sister got lured from a park by Stanley. She was the last victim. Um, and found three weeks later and yeah. awful circumstances. And I don't want to get into it because it makes me so sad because anything having to do with children is so awful. Yeah, it's a lot. But basically, Charlie has spent his entire life trying to figure out who Child Brunswick was. And he's been with his wife since, like, 18 or 19, Flora, yes. who's been helping him along the way. Exactly. So, I honestly, I I hadn't, like, I can't say that I had claimed it from the beginning or anything. Yeah. But once they said that he was Layla, it made so much sense. It did, because he was the new character in the book, and that's why I was, like, suspicious. He was the new character, but not only that, the interest he put into Pip. He really tried to help her and push her to, like, not give up. The not giving up, the, um, oh, you're out in the rain. Would you like to come sit? Oh, here's, I don't know. I just felt like for basically a stranger adult to, too much, um, too much. put that much interest in a teenager. Too much. It was too, mm, too mm, much. Mm, mm, mm. So, honestly, I think in the back of my mind, I had kind of put him on some sort of suspect list. I just want to believe it. I just hadn't written it down. Yeah. Um, but so when it did come to light, I was not shocked in the slightest. Like a hundred percent made sense. And they they really tried to force the fact, are you sure that this catfish person is a female? And they're like, because I talked to her on the phone. One, I've watched the actual like catfish shows, and a male can disguise his voice enough to sound like a female, one. But also, we find out that Flora, Flora was the one actually speaking yeah. on the phone. And so it was like a, a tag team duo yeah, thing. Sure was. Um, I really did think, though, at the end, I really had thought that Pip had, like, tried, had talked him down and he wasn't going to actually shoot Stanley. I was um, disappointed. It's not the correct word. I don't even know what word would be correct. But mm-hmm. when... You hear that he, like, pretty much emptied his load and just Stanley. Yeah. And then poor, like, he ran. And poor Pip had to take care of Stanley. And then the, the fact- mother 
fucker set, set their fire. house on fire. Knowing Pippa was in there? That's what. That, that was the worst that part. Was, that was when I was done with his character. Yeah. Like, you all, don't do that. Everything else, the grief and everything, and you obviously have some sort of insanity going on at this point. Him not being able to not shoot Stanley after all of these years of trying to find him. And then set the house on fire on a fucking child. No, like, I... You know, let me finish my Sorry. thought. Sorry. I'm so upset. Like, first, I really thought Pop... Uh, not Pop. Pip had talked him out of it when he, when, when they said he lowered his gun. Same. So, for a second, I was like, oh, good. This is going to end in a complete tragedy. Um, But then he was just like, nope. I've... This is I. This is my life's mission. This is what I came for. And he looked at Pip and said he was sorry, and then shot Stanley anyways. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was just going to end there. He's just going to run away and like leave. But the fact that he deliberately chose to set the house on fire, knowing Pip was inside, that's when I had no more sympathy for Charlie. But Pip, as the badass bitch that she is, dragged dragged him out and out. like saved them both. Well, nope, no. nope, nope, nope. Sorry, just misspoke. Tried to save them. Tried to save them both. She wouldn't give up. And that, like, even after all, like, you know, the the part of the book where I wanted to cry the most. Yeah. Was every time she said, I was giving him CPR and a rib would crack. Yeah. And then I kept trying and another rib would crack. Which, that happens. It does happen. But that moment was just so, like, it was so raw. Well, here's my last question, real question about this whole book. How about the complete turnaround for Pip and Stanley's relationship? I adored it. Like, from book one to the end, where they hated each other. He was so condescending, so sexist, had zero respect for her whatsoever. To him apologizing and being like, I'm sorry I acted this way and this way. To the end, she's trying to save his life, and then she's the one who has to throw his funeral. I think apologizing and apologies go a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because he said it verbally. He sent her letters. He really tried to genuinely, in all avenues, I feel like express, like, I am sorry. Yeah. And then um, they had the one-on-one talk in the barn. Yeah. The same place that Andy was, like, like found murdered. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just a powerful moment. Um, it doesn't, you don't, in a lot of the books that we read, you don't get the closure of like the two characters that like one does wrong, one's investigating, come together and have a powwow in a very, not a friendship kind of way, civil kind of way. I feel like it was also a very human moment. It was. Like you can make mistakes, you can fuck up, but you, there's still chance for redemption. And Pip kept going back to like. He was a child when all of this happened. Yeah, Stanley did not deserve to die for his no, father's sins. He did not. And everyone thinks when you're 10, like, you are, you have the mental capacity no. to take blame for the equal actions of an adult I don't brain. Think, I don't think your brain is fully developed until in your, like, early 20s. It's not. And so for people to think, like, oh, she, he should have pretty much, like, had the death sentence when no. he was 10 years old is so not fucked correct. Up. Like, I think you only know what you're taught. I think that's why I was saying earlier, like, when you learn what he went through, like, sure, he probably understood that killing was wrong, but he also knew his dad was his dad and he would need to do what his dad told yeah. him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, 
to try to prosecute someone to death at 10 years old is just so inhumane in my eyes. So I don't have another question. I just wanted to leave it on the statement because we know we're getting a book three. I hope so. Is it for sure? Did you look it up? No. Only because I think because of this quote. And I just want to, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to go dive, I don't want to dive deeper into it. Right. I just want to agree or disagree. Okay. The last quote that Pip said was, the gun was always there. It lived inside her now. I think we're getting a book three. They did, um, I feel like there was a uh, short something another about a different case too i feel like they started to talk about something else at the very end i didn't get there i cut it off you didn't finish the book no i finished the book but i didn't like this was the last quote and then it went into the audible like okay this is who read this story for us oh i'm not talking about that i'm talking about in the book so that's how it ended was what you just read yeah this was like one of the last quotes she was talking about the gun will always be there it lives inside her now like, she's okay. becoming more of a vigilante rebel. I guess maybe I'm making it up, but I could have sworn there was a short blip into, like, an illusion of um, a next case. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless. But regardless. That potentially is a, book three? I d- there is definitely potential. Okay. I haven't looked it up to, like, confirm if there's a book three, but I do feel the way it ended absolute potential and i think it is a i alluded to this earlier i think it is a better chance for a book three and to be still an intriguing book three even than the u series yeah because i really do feel like the u series is a rinse and repeat yeah but this series we have the opportunity to watch pip grow as um going into college an investigator out of college as an investigator. Mm-hmm. Like, we could follow and, Pip for, like, years upon years. And they're completely new, different cases. Exactly. And she solves them in new and different ways. And it's not just her following a same format and repeating her past mistakes. But over and the, over and the over. thing is, is now that she's, she's had the glimpse Ooh, wait. of this almost vigilante life. That reminds me, there is a question I skipped. That I think really relates to what you're talking about right now. All right. So your thoughts on Pip's revelation about her true self. Accurate. I think that's where the, the gun in her it's, heart. It's accurate. Um, She's watched too much tragedy to just believe in rainbows and butterflies and ponies. Yes. And Reality I, is real now. I didn't actually write this question down, but... How many what do you do's do you have? Because I only have one, but I think I can turn this kind of into two. Two. Can I go ahead and turn this into one? Sure. All right. So it kind of plays on conversation we had off off air. Sure. Um, but the fact that Pip had this revelation about her true self and she realizes she kind of has a violent streak or a vigilante streak. Um throughout your different ages in life have you reveal have you ever like completely be like hey i'm not the person i thought i was sure i mean if me now 
um, 27 thinking about me as 18, like, what the fuck was I doing at that age? Like, there's so many, like, you know how people post on, like, social media, like, if you could tell yourself something in the past, like, what would you tell them? Right. I don't think my past self would have listened to future me. I think I needed to go through the experiences that I went through Mm -hmm. to turn into who I am now. There's nothing I could have ever said to the past me to change me. I I wouldn't have listened because I'm a stubborn person. Me too. But, okay, without the whole, like, would you listen to your future self? Um, And we don't have to talk about the specifics that we were talking about earlier. But do you have, like, a, okay, when you were 18, did you have, like, a, these are my beliefs, this is how life is. And maybe now at 27, almost 28, are those beliefs the same? Do they line up? I guess I believed more because my parents were still together. Mm -hmm. I believed that true love is just true love no matter all the hardships. Mm -hmm. And that, like, I thought my parents were going to make it in the end. But I think I've done differently. Because I have witnessed that, yeah, I think my marriage and my relationship is a forever thing. Mm-hmm. Because I watched my parents fight. I watched them argue. I was upstairs listening to everything they did. Mm-hmm. So I think my adult self is has learned a lot from my child self. Mm-hmm. But I could have never told myself that then. Yeah. I don't know if that fits with your question. Not exactly, no. But in my own way, I think it does. It it still fits, but I'm also wondering, like, did you have, like, a steadfast, this is how life is? No. And now do you still feel that same way? I mean, if we want to go on the life aspect of go to college, finish college, get a job, get married, have kids, Mm -hmm. I still believe that. That's my reality. How about, like, the whole, like, black and white thing? Were things so black and white back then, and are they still black and white for you now? I mean, or do you believe in the grays? I've always, I always think I believe, I always felt I believed in the grays. Okay. Um, I guess that's where you and I differ. I, back in my day, was very black and white. I dropped that years before then. Before so, you, so like, what you were going through at nineteen. I discovered years before like that for like myself. Like at like 16 or whatever? Or like 17. Okay. Like I discovered that and I was already in my rebellious state. So whereas me, we were different years apart. Okay. So I guess our life experiences were different. Yeah. So for me, I was still very black and white at 19. Even at your age, 27, I was still pretty much black and white. Um, now at 37, I am finding myself a lot more in the grays. <laughs> I feel like... Difference, I, I found that a lot earlier. Uh-huh. I also, like, um, a big, not a big difference, because you still went through child divorce. Yes. But my child divorce was when I was 19, and I was, like, just like, yours was different. Right. Same, but different. Same, but different. But we had, I mean, different circumstances. We're different people. We yeah. We were raised differently. Like, just because circumstances are similar doesn't mean they're the same. Exactly. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, black and white at different times. Finding color later in life. 
different times. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. If you had to get $900 fast, what would you do? <laughs> Take it out of my savings. <laughs> no, you can't choose that. <laughs> Stop being such an adult, Nicole. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have a savings. You don't have a savings. You have to get $900 fast. Shit. Um, am I married? Nope. It's just me? Yep. And I'm at my current job? Nope. No? You're just... So I like have no money today. You are Jamie, but you. All right. So I have no money today. Yep. You need $900 like tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right. Well, I feel like I have options as a female. Okay. (laughs) Go suck some dick. (laughs) I can go sell my body. (laughs) Create an OnlyFans. You know, that's going away. I read articles and that's not a thing anymore. I'm just saying. It still exists right now. Um... Or I do have other non-sexual skills. I can bake. I can like real kick, real kick, real quick. Try to like find someone who's in desperate need of a wedding cake or something, and easily you're right. You're, you're an amazing like nine hundred dollars. Um, I can go go commit a robbery. <laughs> Or I do have a credit card. Worst comes to worst, I could go ahead and cash out the nine hundred dollars for my credit. Ooh, the interest. The Ugh. interest is horrible, Ugh. but that's the least criminal yeah. thing I can you're do. Right. You're right. <laughs> I was the only happy one I have, and I don't want to say my sad one because it's the. Well, you can ask it, and nope. I'll tell you if I want to answer it. Nope, I don't want you to answer it. But now I'm interested in your question. Okay. Here's my one. All right. What would you do if you found out one of your friends had a secret identity because of a serial killer parent? First off, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> like, you think we weren't going to be friends after you told me? And that, I, I, I'm going to be interested in your life. I mean, Stanley couldn't tell anybody. Tell me everything. <laughs> like, I really genuinely would want to be interested in, like, all of that. Like, yeah. My future bachelor's career was, like, I intentionally, one point in time, Mm -hmm. wanted to work with people with severe, just, like, mental handicaps that were, like, stuck in certain places in their lives and just couldn't get past it. And I just wanted to understand them for them. Yeah. Like, the why. Yeah. To help them get to a better future. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd want to know your why because mm-hmm. that's just so interesting to me. It's intriguing. So I didn't write this down, but just – so obviously if you have a secret identity or like a witness protection identity, you're not supposed to tell anybody about it. No, you're not, but I hope you trust me but, that you would. Okay, so this is my – this is kind of where I'm leading into it. Like how, uh, how long will we need to be friends? How deep into the friendship, like, would you – um, think acceptable for someone to admit it to you. I don't know. Well, you're not mad about it. 
Like, because you can go on forever and be like, hey, I'm just, I have to be I mean, this do new you have person. something to share now? No. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds that way. But I'm just like, you said you want to, like, yeah. you want to be trusted. But also when you are someone, if you yeah, are someone with right. that thing, like, yeah. you can't just no. automatically reveal that to everybody. So, like, I think. So you're you're the one with the secret identity. Like, how long do you think you would have to be friends with somebody to finally be like, I trust them enough to let them in on that? I feel like I'd test waters first and share not, like, that experience, but share something deep Uh to see how the reaction would be. And how well they keep the secret or something. Exactly. And after that, like, I'm going to come to you and, like, share my true, true Mm -hmm. But also, you know me, I can't hold secrets, so yeah. it's going <laughs> to come really quickly. Yeah, I'm, but not, I'm not really good at secrets I'm either. Like, so. <laughs> you know, I always have that Jiminy Cricket in the back that's like, mm, you have a conscience, you have a conscience, yes. like share. Exactly. So I'm not going to sh- like, I'm not going to keep things away too long. I don't think I could either. I think that would, if I had to be in witness protection, I'd be the worst at it. <laughs> You'd have to replace me a lot. And I'm so sorry, tax player, players, payers, but whatever. I would be the worst. I mean, if you really want to hear my question, it's kind of sad. All right. If it's sad and I feel like I don't want to answer it, then we'll just okay. We'll just cut it off. Okay. Sounds great. You're going to cut it off. What would you do if I, if Jorge or I disappeared? Would you go to the same links as Pip? But is that even realistic in our world? If you two disappeared on my life. Yeah. I'm doing whatever the fuck I can do to find you. And if somebody fucking killed you guys. You better bet I'm murdering all of the people. Enough said. I need you two in my life. Absolutely. We need you in our lives. I would say more and nobody else listens. And if they do, fuck you for listening this one time. But honestly, you two are the most important people in my life. I love you. Like, I cannot imagine doing life without y'all. Nor can I. How did I live life beforehand? I don't know. But <laughs> you guys make it so much better. You make my life better. The end. The end. <laughs> so, on a whole note, good girl, bad blood, 10 out of 10. I really loved it. I just wish it wasn't this time of year and I could have focused a little better. Yeah. But I still overall loved the story. And I hope for a book three. Like, I think it's I do there too. is a great foundation to continue it. I think there's but huge I potential. But I really hope Pip is, like, more of, like, a dark, like, vigilante. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, like, I think she's going to adapt to that role instead of being, and like, the, the good girl. She'll have to answer less to her parents because she won't be at home. Yeah. She'll be more growing into her adult yeah. self. And I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. Do we hope that her and Robbie stay f- together forever? Yes, absolutely. You don't? <laughs> I guess based also on our earlier conversation and the youngness of people getting together. It's not that I don't like them together now. I mean, futures do change. Sure. I just... And if they are 100%... This way, always, absolutely stay but together. But he might not like the new Pip. And I, I, okay, I see your hesitation. If he doesn't like the new Pip or if they realize, okay, they're hot for each other now, but they're young, I hope she doesn't. 
lock herself into this just because. I hope they at least remain cordial. Yes. In some capacity. And I'm not saying they can't be together forever. I'm just trying to be like, you're so young, don't lock yourself into it. Sure. Right now. That's all. That was my. Yeah. Not that I. No, that's a good snippet. Not that I don't like them together. I'm just hoping she doesn't completely commit 100% at But what we can agree upon is book three. Yes. 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 Okay. (laughs) And what are we doing next? Um, Next next time, not next week, but next time we're going to be reading The Cousins by Karen M. McManus. McManus. That's an interesting last name. And honestly, I picked that book so long ago that I have no idea what it's about. And I guess it has something to do with cousins. Cousins. <laughs> Almost like the best of friends. All I knew was it had to do with the best friends. But I think it's going to be great. Um, That'll come out here in a couple weeks. So Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In like two weeks from now after this one's released. So um, I guess it's my turn to say where they can find where us. Where can they find us, Nicole? <laughs> you can find us at Read Around the Rose on Facebook, Read Around the Rose on Instagram, Read Around the Rose at gmail.com, and anchor.fm slash Read Around the Rose. So come check us out. We'd love to hear um, about anything you have to say. And that's yep. kind of it. Bye. Bye. Yay. <laughs>